0: The Bible, Uh, there's a few passages tonight, so two passages from Habakkuk, and so the, the first passage is Habakkuk 1, we'll be reading from verses 1 to 13, and then we'll move to chapter 3, 16 onwards. So you should be able to find that, the first reading, on page 862 of your Pew Bibles. So Habakkuk chapter 1. the oracle that Habakkuk the prophet saw. Habakkuk's first prayer. How long, Lord, must I call for help and you do not listen or cry out to you about violence and you do not save? Why do you force me to look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Oppression and violence are right in front of me. Strife is ongoing and conflict escalates. This is why the law is ineffective and justice never emerges. For the wicked restrict the righteous, therefore justice comes out perverted. God's first answer. Look at the nations and observe. Be utterly astounded for something is taking place in your days that you will not believe when you hear about it. Look. I am raising up the Chaldeans, that bitter, impetuous nation that marches across the earth's open spaces to seize territories not its own. They are fierce and terrifying. Their views of justice and sovereignty stem from themselves. Their horses are swifter than leopards and more fierce than wolves of the night. Their horsemen charge ahead. Their horsemen come from distant lands. They fly like an eagle, swooping to devour. All of them come to do violence. Their faces are set in determination. They gather prisoners like sand. They mock kings, and rulers are a joke to them. They laugh at every fortress and build siege ramps to capture it. Then they sweep by like the wind and pass through. They are guilty. Their strength is their God. Habakkuk's second prayer. Are you not from eternity, Yahweh, my God? My Holy One, you will not die. Lord, you appointed them to execute judgment. My Rock, you destined them to punish us. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil and you cannot tolerate wrongdoing. So why do you tolerate those who are treacherous? Why are you silent while one who is wicked swallows up one who is more righteous than himself? You have made mankind like the fish of the sea, like marine creatures that have no ruler. The Chaldeans pull them all up with a hook, catch them in their dragnet and gather them in their fishing net. That is why they are glad and rejoice. That is why they sacrifice to their dragnet and burn incense to their fishing net. For by these things their portion is rich and their food is plentiful. Will they therefore empty their net and continually slaughter nations without mercy? Our second reading is from Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 16 to 19. I heard and I trembled within. My lips quivered at the sound, rottenness entered my bones. I trembled where I stood, now I must quietly wait for the day of distress to come against the people invading us, that the fig tree does not bud and there is no fruit on the vines, that the olive crop fails and the fields produce no field, no food, that there is no sheep in the pen, no cattle in the stores, yet I will triumph in Yahweh, I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. Yahweh, my Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like those of a deer and enables me to walk on the mountain heights. Our second reading will be brought to us by Peter.
1: second reading comes from Luke chapter 22, starting at verse 39. Jesus went out and made his way, as usual, to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. When he reached the place, he told them, "'Pray that you may not enter into temptation.' And then he withdrew from them, about a stone's throw, knelt down and began to pray, Father, if you are willing, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel from heaven appeared to him, strengthening him. And being in anguish, he prayed more fervently, and his sweat became like drops of blood falling to the ground. When he got up from prayer and came to the disciples, he found them sleeping, exhausted from their grief. Why are you sleeping? He asked them. Get up and pray so that you won't enter into temptation. This is the word of the Lord.
2: Thank you, Peter. Thank you, Justin. 2017 is the year of prayer here at Church by the Bridge, and to begin the year of prayer, we're looking at five great prayers, prayers of the Old Testament. Tonight's our last installment in that series, and we're learning from the, prophet, the praying prophet Habakkuk. So why don't we ask for God's help as we endeavor that. Our good and powerful Heavenly Father, you tell us not to be anxious about anything, But in everything, by prayer and petition to present our requests, our concerns, our anxieties before you. And you promised that you would give us your peace. So teach us through the prophet Habakkuk to bring our concerns and worries to you. And give us the peace that you have promised. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, when do Christians pray the most? We pray uh, before we go for a job interview. Uh, we pray before we get medical results back, uh, a scan result. We pray when we're trying to find a park at 6.55 p.m. on a Sunday night. Uh, I think it's fair to say, though, we we pray most fervently when things go wrong. Christians turn to our God when we face a crisis. But there is a tension about that practice, isn't there? Uh, there's there's something askew about the fact that we go to the good God who has allowed evil to happen to us. Uh, we turn to the Almighty who could have stopped that friend saying that thing to us, that boss persecuting us, that that neighbor destroying our lives, that, that investment that, that tore us apart. We're turning to a good god we're turning to a powerful god and yet somehow he is allowing evil hardship confusion to befall us and that's the crisis that drives the prophet habakkuk that's the tension that he feels his nation his people are in turmoil and he calls out to the good and sovereign god and he sees him being inactive indifferent, seemingly powerless. That's the tension of Habakkuk. What do you pray? How do you pray when your theology about God, what you believe about him, and your experience of how you see him playing out in your life just don't match up? The prophet Habakkuk teaches us that you wrestle. You come to God and you wrestle with him in prayer. You come to him and you bring your concerns, your questions, your doubts, your fears, your anxieties. You even vent your frustrations to your God. Habakkuk is like God's permission to us to come and pour out our hearts before our God. Habakkuk, uh, uh, sorry, to to, uh, explore the book of Habakkuk further, we're going to try and cover his three chapters quite briefly, under three really simple headings. We're going to look at lessons from the man, lessons from his prayers, and lessons from God's answers. It would be really helpful to have Habakkuk open. It's on page 862 of your Black Bibles. 862, and we'll start at Habakkuk chapter 1. Let's begin with lessons from the man. What does the man Habakkuk teach us about prayer? Habakkuk prophesied between the years of about 610 BC and uh, 587 BC. Uh, If you recall in Old Testament history, uh, that's after the fall of the 10 northern tribes of Israel, 722 BC, as the Assyrians came in and wiped them out. It's just before the fall of Judah, the two southern tribes, to the Babylonians in 587 BC. I'll give us a quick, brief overview of the book. It would be great if maybe you just follow through with the Holman headings that they've given us, just so we know the context of what's going on. The book's basically made up of three prayers from Habakkuk and two answers from God. Habakkuk's first prayer, as Justin read read to us, Habakkuk prays, Why does injustice prosper? Why, Why do the wicked go unchecked in Israel? God answers him, I will judge my people and I'm going to do it with the Chaldeans or the the Babylonians, that impetuous and ruthless nation. Habakkuk responds with a second prayer. What? How? How? Why, God? How could you use the unrighteous to judge those more righteous than themselves? God's second answer is... I will use them to administer judgment on my people, but then I will call them to account and judge the Babylonians myself. Habakkuk responds with a third prayer in chapter 3, that though he struggles to understand God's works and God's ways, he knows God's former deeds, and he declares that he will trust in Yahweh, his God. So what do we learn from this man, Habakkuk? We don't know much about him, how he became a prophet, how he Uh, where he's from, his origins, but we do have this window into his heart. And you know that your prayers, brothers and sisters, are a window into what's in your heart. Habakkuk's prayers reveal a righteous man living in an unjust, unrighteous society. In Habakkuk's day, life was woeful. Have a look uh, in his prayer, his first prayer, chapter 1, verses 2 to 4. Have a look at the issues he identifies ...around him in society. Violence. Injustice. Wrongdoing. Oppression. Strife. Paralysis of the law. Restriction of the righteous. Perversion of justice. Sounds a little bit like life today. The wicked just seem to prosper. The unrighteous seem to just go unchecked. It seems like everyone is just doing as they please... Where is God? Why does he let this happen? Well, the the prophet Habakkuk cries out, how long? How long, O Lord, must I call out to you? And it feels like you are not listening. Why are you inactive, he prays, when the righteous are suffering at the hands of the unrighteous? You see, Habakkuk's heart, it beat after God's own heart. Habakkuk was concerned for God's concerns. And this sermon has forced me to reflect on the concerns that are driving me to prayer. And I've got to say, they're not God's big concerns. It's how much sleep I get at night. It's my productivity at work. It's my comfort. But I want to have God's concerns on my heart. I don't know about you, but I've been confronted a lot by the UNHCR people. Two times in one week, they wanted to tell me about the injustices of Syria. And I thought, I can't keep fobbing these guys off. I need to, I need to listen to them. So I stopped in the street, and I, uh, I, I listened to the guy as he told me about the great humanitarian crisis of our age. The injustices that are going on there, they ought to tear our hearts. But though I didn't need to give this guy money, but I could let the injustices move my heart and move me to prayer. The guy turned out to be a Christian and so me and the UNHCR guy were praying on the street corner for the injustices of Syria. And though all the money in my bank account couldn't make one little iota of difference in Syria, the God to whom we pray from the other side of the world is powerful to end the injustices, to bring about judgment for the wicked and impetuous in that place. And so I just, commend to you, letting yourself be moved by the injustices of our world and not feeling paralyzed about them because the God to whom we pray is powerful to act and move and change. Prayer is God's gift to us to plant his concerns deeply in our heart. Let's turn secondly to some lessons that we can learn from the content of Habakkuk's prayers. Uh, Firstly, Habakkuk is a man who vents He vents his concerns to God. I really love this about Habakkuk because he gives us permission to pour out our hearts to God. To ask God the tough questions and he's not alone in the Bible. Because do you know that almost one third of all the book of Psalms are laments? Laments where the people of God go to God and ask why ask, what are you doing, God? They bring their concerns, their anger, their sadness, their confusion, their frustration, even their disappointment with God, they bring it to him. And God's not afraid of hearing this. God knows what's on your hearts. So bring it to him. Bring it to him in prayer. And it's a strong expression of faith. It's not doubt. It is faith that says this is a good relationship. Because you and I, we know good relationships They confront the the tough issues. When do relationships go sour? When you avoid the issues, when you avoid the person, when you complain to others. Habakkuk exhorts us to come to God with your concerns, with your worries, with your frustrations, with your anger at God and call out to him. In pastoral care, there are two uh, processes that people are encouraged to go through when they face a crisis. The first is ventilation, and the second is differentiation. Ventilation is when we ask God the question, or when we ask the question, why? People are encouraged to ask, why? Why me? Why now? Why this? Where are you, God? Why don't you do something? Do you care? Ventilation is like taking off a pressure valve. It's like when you open that overshaken bottle of soda, and and words and emotions just spit everywhere, and that's okay. Okay. God can handle it as we pour out our emotions to him. Like, a, like an earthly parent, your heavenly father loves you to come to him, sit in his lap and, and vent and pour out your concerns. It's much better than moping around his house in a mood or a state, just bottling up on the inside. Secondly, there's differentiation. Differentiation is when a person moves from asking the question why to asking the question, well, what does the current situation mean for me? How do I move forward in this? You may have noticed the way that Habakkuk progressed throughout uh, his prayers, as Justin read to us. He moves from venting and asking why to the end, declaring his trust, his dependence upon God. Declaring that though he saw no sustenance, no way forward, there was no hope in all his surroundings, yet would he trust in his God. There's also another activity involved in differentiation in our prayers and that's differentiating our concerns before God and it's important that we do that because you might have a burden on your heart but if you cannot take it to God in prayer if you cannot process it with him well then it's probably a good sign that you need to move away from that you need to leave that behind it it can be silly things can't it that we get caught up on and uh, my reputation in my workplace I'm not getting enough cred from the boss. I need a new iPhone. I don't know. Those kind of things. If you can't process it with God, leave it behind. Next, there are those concerns that we bring to God that we just need to lay at his feet. Concerns about a relationship, a friendship. We bring them to God and we, we, we lay them before him in prayer. But then there are those concerns that we should nag and pester and, and plead with God until we get them. Those things that, that are after his heart, those things he's promised, justice, the holiness of his church, and, and, and the unity amongst his believers, the peace amongst believers. You can't lose when you bring your concerns to God because either he's going to make you more like himself, he's going to grow your understanding of who he is, or in his time he's going to transform your circumstances. Another lesson we learn uh, from Habakkuk is that whilst he vents and whilst he differentiates, he also disciplines his prayers. And brothers and sisters, prayer is a discipline. Uh, you and I, uh, we often fall into the trap of thinking that maybe spontaneous prayers are more sincere. They, they mean more when they just come out. But we've all prayed those prayers, haven't we? God, help me with that, that boss at work who is just making my life agony. And Whilst I'm at work, I do need, I must send that email about that invoice, and I think I'm out of milk. And there we go, and we're off on a tangent. Friends, discipline your prayers. It is a wonderful thing to even write down your prayers. I'm in the practice of writing down my prayers, and it helps me discipline myself as I come before God. Habakkuk goes one step further. His prayer in the third chapter of his book takes the form of a psalm, a song. Habakkuk it has that gift of uh, of turning his words, of using his words in, in a poetic way. And you might remember Scott Monk who used to lead us in prayer here at church. Scott would spend hours preparing to lead us in five minutes of prayer. But when he led us, you knew that you were knocking on the doors of heaven, asking God for the, the concerns of God's heart. You knew that you were right in the throne room of God. And so if you've got that gift of crafting wonderful prayers lead us in prayer here at church i write those prayers at nine forty-five one morning uh, the service was moved to tears as one woman got up and shared a prayer poem she'd written about feeling like a broken branch of a tomato bush it was incredibly powerful as she put our hearts concerns into poetic words and brought them before god maybe that's not your gift it's It's not mine, Uh, so I sometimes pray other people's prayers. Uh, This is a book called The Valley of Vision. These are Puritan prayers uh, written by great men and women of God, Uh, and it is a wonderful way to bring you before God and bang down the gates of heaven with uh, God's concerns and God's heart. Uh, Another thing to learn from Habakkuk's prayer is the way that his prayers take the form of a corporate prayer. Uh, the psalm that uh, that we read, that chapter three, uh, it is it is for the choir director. It's a communal, congregational prayer. Though written by Habakkuk, it was a prayer to be prayed by all God's people. And you know that's important when you think about how your prayer life is going in this year of prayer, two thousand seventeen. Not to just be thinking how am I going in my prayers, but how are we going, uh, as a body of believers? How strong are our prayers? I once rebuked a minister that I worked for. I I said, I will call him Peter. I said, Peter, if we're set aside for the ministry of the word and prayer, how come I never come into your office and catch you praying? And he said to me, Ed, you never catch me praying because you don't come to the church prayer meetings every Friday afternoon. It's like, it's a really good point. And maybe that's something you need to do. If you're struggling in prayer, discipline yourself and, and schedule some prayer time. Schedule 7.45 this wednesday night for our our church prayer night you'll pray for over an hour with god's people bringing the concerns of the heavy hearts and the joyful hearts all before our god that's more prayer than most of us will get around to in a week in one night it's a great a great thing to do but it's not techniques and it's not who we pray to that ultimately matters the, uh, sorry it's not techniques and what we pray but who we pray to that matters most And in this regard, Habakkuk sets us a sterling example. It would be great to have a look at this in chapter 1, verse 12, with me. Habakkuk has what I like to call a reverent boldness before our God. He remembers who he's praying to. Look at the names of the God that he reminds himself to whom he prays. Yahweh, my God. Yahweh, the covenant God, the name by which he bound himself to Israel. My Holy One, he prays. Lord, my God sovereign king creator my rock fortress refuge strength safety for our people and yet as he exercises that reverence he also exercises great boldness before god exercising his full right as a person of god to come before him and to pour out his heart to his god he is so brave that he even calls god to account for his actions have a look at this exhortation from Hebrews chapter 4, a New Testament exhortation. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us at the proper time. And bold Habakkuk was because not only did he bring, uh, bring his questions to God, he also made huge requests. Take a look at his request in chapter 3 verse 2. Lord, he prays, I've heard the report about you. Lord, I stand in awe of your deeds. And then he looks back and he recalls God's deeds, creation, the exile out of Egypt, God's revelation of himself at Mount Sinai, God's uh, warrior-like conquest of the promised land. Habakkuk looks back at God's great deeds and says, Though I can't see you in the present, I recall your great deeds. And then listen to what he prays. Verse 2, revive your works in these years. Make it known in these years, Lord, let me and my generation see your deliverance once more. And that drives us to our third and final point this evening. And that is our lessons from God's answers. It's interesting that God does not answer the way Habakkuk expects. And it's important as we come before our God in prayer that we don't determine how he can answer us. We need to let God be God and to ask for humility to receive his answer no matter what it is. For Habakkuk, God's answer hit him for six, the Babylonians. God would send that impetuous nation to judge his people. Uh, it's the equivalent of you and I asking God to refine his church, to to strengthen those, uh, sorry, to refine his church to to bring about the holiness in his church. And God saying, I will send ISIS to administer church discipline. It was a dreadful and fearful solution from God. And yet our great and powerful God is sovereign enough to use the evil and the, and the wicked intentions of people and nations to bring about his good and saving purposes. And that's exactly what we have seen him do in history more fully than habakkuk ever got to see we know that the great prophet the great praying prophet our lord our lord jesus christ well he would submit himself to the unjust and to the wicked of his generation he would come before his father on that night before he died and he would tremble his insides would turn upside down at god's plan and and his purpose But he would pray, not my will, but your will be done. And then he faced the judgment of God, the full judgment, the full wrath of God. Have a listen to how the Apostle Peter testified to it on the day of Pentecost. It's up on the screen. Though he was delivered up according to God's determined plan and foreknowledge, you used lawless people, wicked people, to nail him to a cross and kill him. But God raised him up ending the pains of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it and this is the god brothers and sisters to whom we come and pray and bring our confusion and concerns the god who can turn the wickedness and evil of our of our age on its head and accomplish salvation accomplish his good purposes and bring about the saving of his people so as we look around at the confusion of our age, as we feel like maybe God is letting the unjust prosper and the the wicked go unchecked, we know that God is not indifferent. We know that God is not inactive. He has already begun to judge, and he poured out that judgment on his son, our Lord Jesus Christ. And friends, God's judgment will not be poured out twice in the same place. And so for you and I who shelter in the sun, we are safe from that day of judgment. But like Habakkuk, we continue to endure the evils of this world. We continue to endure the confusion and the the wickedness of this age. And we wait for God's ultimate judgment and justice. We wait and like Habakkuk, we are exhorted to pray with him that final and great declaration of faith that he prays in chapter 3 verse 17 let's look at it now habakkuk looks around at his circumstances and sees no sustenance no no life in his present situation nothing but yahweh his god we might join him we might pray god though there's no job prospects on the horizon although there's no medical hope for me with this diagnosis God, though there's no friends standing by me, though the people I thought loved me have turned against me, though there's no money in my account, no food in the pantry, yet will I triumph in Yahweh. We will rejoice in the God of our salvation. Yahweh, Yahweh our God is our strength. He makes our feet stand firm on the mountain heights. Brothers and sisters, when you face the confusion of this life, wrestle with your God in prayer and trust in your faithful God who will deliver you from his judgment. Let's pray to conclude. Our good and powerful God, you will not let the injustice and the wickedness of this age go uh, unchecked or unpunished. We thank you that all our unrighteousness and our wickedness has been given to Jesus and he has received your punishment in our place. We thank you that even through the confusion and upheaval of this age, we know the God who has acted in history to deliver his people. We know that you have delivered Christ from the grave and you will deliver us. And so, God, we turn in trust to you and pray that we would trust and hope in Yahweh, our faithful God. Amen.